Hello, this is Suzanne Ricketts with She Is Ministries, and today we are going to unpack the topic of unforgiveness and what that looks like. So I just want to start off uh, as we get started with a quote. It's an anonymous quote, and it says, He who cannot forgive others burns the bridge over which he himself must pass. That'll preach right there. Uh, so I just want to... Before we even begin, and before I even use any scripture, I just want to think about what unforgiveness looks like. See, there's probably every one of us uh, that can hear this has dealt with unforgiveness in some way. And probably every one of us has had something happen to them where we didn't feel that it was just. Maybe we have been betrayed. Check the box. Maybe we have been sexually assaulted. Check the box. Maybe we have been verbally abused, emotionally abused. I mean, there's so many things, right, that can happen to us where we can get in a place where we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts. We harbor bitterness against our brothers and sisters. And so, but let's use the flip side of that for just a moment before I start looking at this. Uh, and let's not forget that we have probably done those things to other people as well. <clears throat> and so uh, unforgiveness is one of these sins that is a hidden sin. It, it's something that you may not notice at first, but it's a hidden poison that works within. Uh, I know that you've probably seen the quote, uh, not forgiving people is like drinking the poison uh, yourself and expecting the other person to die. So, I mean, there's so many things that... that uh, we read in the Bible over and over about that we need to be forgiving. And we know that, right? We know that. And yet, there's we put certain expectations on that forgiveness. And I'm going to uh, unpack that in just a minute. Uh, but I just really want us to, again, like I said, before I start looking at Scripture, I just really want us to really understand that unforgiveness is a bitter root. And it's the result of pride. And the root of unforgiveness can, can leak and seep into so many areas of our life that it's actually a spiritual necrosis. And when we think about, uh, well, well, what does that mean, a spiritual necrosis? It, it, it's a spiritual death because we cannot grow spiritually if we are harboring unforgiveness or bitterness. Because that is a poison. And friends, it seeps into the other areas of our life. It is not just, oh, well, I haven't forgiven in this one area, but all these other areas are working well. No, they're not. No, they're not, friends. So uh, we know in Scripture, we know uh, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells the parable uh, uh, of the unforgiving servant. And he goes through the parable, and you can read it in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verses 21 and 22. And uh, Peter has asked him, how many times are we supposed to forgive our brothers? And then so uh, Jesus goes into the, uh, the, you know, 70 times seven. And then he goes into the parable of the unforgiving servant. And basically, as you walk through that parable of the unforgiving servant, and you see that what happens with the servant as he is forgiven, the master forgives him a debt that he cannot ever repay that is out of bounds, ridiculous debt. The master forgives him. And then he turns around and goes to someone who owes him and he has him thrown in debtor's prison. And so when he has to, when the people report back uh, that the unforgiving servant has dealt with his uh, debtor this way and the master calls him back in, uh, the master is very upset and he has him turned over to the tortures. I just want you to grab a hold of that and soak on that for a minute. 
This man, unforgiving, his unforgiveness has him turned over to the torture. So we can just grab a hold of, Jesus is telling us right there, if we don't forgive others, then in, in all of our yuck, we are going to be turned over to the tortures. We're going to live with this unforgiveness in our hearts. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Bearing with one another. And if anyone, if one, excuse me, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. Just listen to that again. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you, do we even grasp what we have been forgiven of? Do we even grab a hold of that? See, because so often we tend to think about, well, so-and-so did this to me, so I'm justified. I'm justified in my unforgiveness. Well, so-and-so wounded me, so-and-so offended me, so-and-so slandered me, gossiped about me, stole from me. I mean, friends, we could go on and on, right? The list could be endless. And so we, we can justify, we can justify ourselves. Jensen Franklin says, one of our greatest temptations comes in the face of our greatest justifications comes in the face of our greatest justification. So we feel justified. We, we expect, we say, hey, pat me on the back and agree with me because I have been so wronged. Hey, we want people to come alongside us and say, well, I don't blame you. you have, you're completely justified in not forgiving. Or people will come alongside and say, it's about time you stood up for yourself and don't take any more of that. Well, yes, absolutely, we should stand up for ourselves but we're not to harbor unforgiveness. Or it's about time you get justice or revenge. See, let me just remind us real quick that in Scripture, two things belong to the Lord. The tithe belongs to the Lord and vengeance belongs to the Lord. That doesn't belong to us. People, will, We want people to say, we want our friends to come around us and say, well, it's about time that what was taken is given back to you. Like again, like I said, Words, words can hurt. Uh, things that people take from us. We feel justified. And we can look in scripture at men who had an opportunity, who could have been justified in what they felt and could have chosen unforgiveness. But instead, they chose to, to take the high road. So we know King David right? King David had been, had been, Saul was chasing him. He was sought. And in 1 Samuel 24, David is hiding. Uh, he's fleeing from Saul who's trying to kill him. Saul is the king. And David's hiding in a cave with his mighty men. And Saul comes in the cave to relieve himself. And David's mighty men are like, oh, right now, right now, David, you could reach out. We could slay him right now. We could cut off his head. You would be king. We would be celebrating tonight. We would be celebrating. You would be king in, in just the swing of a sword. You would be king. Just let us, look, the Lord has delivered him 
into your hands. And so here his, here's his mighty men telling him these things like, David, you're justified in this. David, you're justified in this. David, you're justified in this. You've been fleeing. You've been running. You're fearing for your life. And so they are just justifying, 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 right? They are just pumping him up with the justification. David reaches out and cuts the corner of Saul's robe. The minute he does, the minute he does, he is hit with this humility. He is hit with this place of, oh my gosh, I have, I have touched the Lord's anointed. And so he begins to repent. He begins to repent because he realizes that he is doing it in his own might and his own timing instead of waiting on the Lord. Now, David's justified, right? Because if we look at it today, if we think about how long Saul chased him and how he had to flee for his life and all these things, we can justify that in our, in our in man's way of thinking. We can justify that. But David understood, oh my gosh, I have stepped out of line. I have, I have gotten out of God's timing and God's will in this. Two chapters later, David is king. Yes, David may, may have slayed Saul if in that cave he could have, but what would have happened? What would have been the repercussions from that? So, so I just want to think, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon says this, and so I, I want to look at God's idea of forgiveness, and I want to unpack the difference in God's idea of forgiveness and man's idea of forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon says, Suppose that someone had, grievous, had grievously offended any one of you, and that he asked your forgiveness, do you not think that you would probably say to him, well, yes, I forgive you, but I, 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 I cannot forget it. Ah, dear friends, that is the sort of forgiveness that is one leg chopped off. It is a lame forgiveness, and it is not worth much. Think about that. I forgive, but I can't forget. That is a lame forgiveness with one leg chopped off, not worth much. So I just want us to think, you know, that the truth is bitter, right? It, the truth can be bitter. And so sometimes it's hard to swallow that bitter pill of truth. But I want you to listen to these, these as I begin to unpack these in God's idea of forgiveness versus man's idea of forgiveness. And I want you, these really hit me as I began to look at my life in places where I was like, God, check me. God, show me. Create in me a clean heart. And so as I'm praying and I'm asking God, God, do I harbor unforgiveness somewhere in my heart? And I began to unpack these. Man, I'm going to tell you, friends, Lord, the Lord did a work on me. And I found there were places where I was like, Lord, I'm not in alignment with your, your word of forgiveness. I'm in alignment with what the world says about forgiveness, which can be a little different. So here's one. God makes the first move towards us in forgiveness. The habit of man is to only be reconciled if the offending party craves forgiveness and makes the first move. Think about that. God makes the first move toward forgiveness. But the habit of man is to only be reconciled if the offending party craves it enough to make the move. Think about that. Is there somewhere in your life where you have... You are struggling. Someone has offended you. Someone has done something to you and you are waiting on them to make the first move. They're the ones that did the wrong and you're sitting here and you're waiting and you're waiting. And think about God makes the first move towards us. Think about us. Again, think about every, every way we've been forgiven. Every way we've been forgiven. And do we have the right to withhold forgiveness from others? Here's another one. God forgives knowing 
often knowing that we will sin again. God forgives, often knowing that we will sin again, sometimes even in the exact same way. Ouch. It is the habit of man to forgive only if the offending party will promise to never do that wrong again. That's powerful. Here's another one. God's forgiveness is so complete, friends. It is so glorious that he grants us adoption. That he grants adoption to the former offenders. That's us. That's you and that's me. God's forgiveness is so complete and so glorious that he grants adoption to those former offenders. The way of man, even when forgiveness is offered, he will not lift it again to the former offender, a place of high status or partnership. So think on that for a moment, right? Because that, this was one that really hit me. I think about God grafting me in, that I am adopted, that I am a former offender, right? But then when I think about the people that have betrayed me, maybe people that have betrayed me, people that have wounded me, people that have hurt me, I, I'll, I can say, oh, okay, I can forgive, but then it hit me. I will not lift again that former offender to a place of high status or partnership. Ouch. I'll say, okay, you stay out there. You stay out there because you hurt me before. You stay out there. And, and I'm not going to forgive. I forgive you, but only up until this place. Really? And God, God just bathes us in forgiveness, right? God bathes us in forgiveness. So think if there's someone in your life that... That you're saying, because, right, because man's way is like, these people are toxic. These people, yes, yes, people are, people can be toxic, but we are to be lovers of people. Yes, we're to be guarded friends, but we're also supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. Grab a hold of that. Ministers of reconciliation. And God's reconciliation doesn't look like man's reconciliation. Here's another one. God bore all, all, grab the depth of that, all the penalty for the wrong that we did against him. The way of man is that when we are wronged, we will not forgive unless the offender agrees to bear all the penalty for the wrong done. God bore all. God bore all the penalty of the wrong that we did against him. But the way of man is that when we are wronged, friends, we do not forgive unless the offender bears the penalty. Grab a hold of these and, and, and let and sit alone with the Lord and let him do a work on you and see if these are these are showing up in your life. Here's another one. God continues to reach out to man, to us, for reconciliation, even when, even when we refuse again and again. God continues to reach out for reconciliation even when we refuse again and again. The habit of man is that one will not continue to offer reconciliation once it is rejected once. Ooh. Ouch. Have you been there? Have you done that? I'll raise my hand on that one. Yes, I have. There's another. God requires no probationary period to receive his forgiveness. The way of man, one will not restore an offender without a period of probation. Someone offends you and you're like, mm, I need time. I need time. They need to sit over there and they need to wait. Yeah, they need to sit over there and they need to wait. 
until I've had time. You know what? They've done wrong, so they can just sit over there and they can just wait. I'll forgive them when I'm ready. I might reconcile when I'm ready. God requires no probation period for us to receive his forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And aren't we to be like Christ? Aren't we to be like Christ, friends? God's forgiveness offers complete restoration and honor. Woo! That'll preach. God's forgiveness offers complete restoration and honor. The habit of man is that we feel we should be complimented when we merely tolerate those who sin against us. Again, that's that justification place, right? God gives complete restoration and honor, right? We're daughters. We're sons. We're we're heirs, co-heirs with Christ. God's forgiveness looks totally different. Man says, I will not restore an offender. And, and, and if I do, if I forgive, then I need to be complimented for just tolerating those people that wounded and sinned against me. Here's another one. Once having forgiven, God puts his trust in us and invites us back to work with him as co-laborers. Thank you, Lord. Listen to that again. God puts his trust in us invite, and invites us back to work with him as co-laborers. But the way of man, one will not trust someone who has formally wronged him. Ever been there? I'll raise my hand on that one again. One will not trust. Yes, trust has to be earned, absolutely. But will you even open the door for that? to someone that has wronged you? Or have you completely shut the door on them in your life? Have you completely said, oh, I forgive? But is it a lame forgiveness, friends? Is it a lame forgiveness? Is it a lame forgiveness? Spiritual necrosis or spiritual intimacy. Spiritual necrosis or spiritual intimacy. So I just want to ask you, are you justifying places in your life today where where you want to hang on to that bitterness? You may not think you want to hang on to it, but you're still hanging on to it. And if you're still hanging on to it, then there's something in you that will not forgive, that you are desiring to hang on to that, even though you have been forgiven much. Even though you've been forgiven much. Is it our place to continue to wear a black robe of judgment? And to say against our neighbors that that we're holding them accountable for things that that what that God's forgiven us for, but we're going to hold others accountable. We're going to strike the gavel and say guilty. And does God strike? I mean, friends, come on. We we need to get real with this. We need to get real with what is happening to our spiritual walk in the prayer closet. What is happening? Are you spiritually, is there some some spiritual places in your life where you're not seeing freedom, where you're not walking in freedom, where you're wondering, why am I not hearing? Why am I not, what? Bitterness is a hindrance. Bitterness is a hindrance. Bearing with one another, if anyone, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive, friends. So you must forgive. So friends, I encourage you today, get along with God. Begin to unpack these places in your life where you may be 
harboring bitterness or unforgiveness and you don't even realize it because it is a spiritual necrosis. It will bring death. It will bring death to places in you that God means to bring life. So I want to encourage you today. Get along. Begin to unpack these things and let the Lord do a work in you. In Jesus' name, have a most blessed day.